This is episode 39 of the Kindred Mom podcast. I am your host, Emily Sue Allen. Hi there, mamas. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to listen to this episode of the Kindred Mom podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the new topic for May, which is cherishing childhood. And I wanted to let you know that we have a whole lineup of essays that we're sharing on the Kindred Mom blog this month. You can go over to kindredmom.com and see them as they are published each week. There are some awesome, wonderful, heartwarming reflections about this season of childhood that we want to savor, knowing that it is a fleeting time, even though it's also challenging in a lot of ways. Today's conversation is between Jennifer Van Winkle, one of our regulars, and a new member of our Kindred Mom team, Lindsay Cornett. Lindsay is a delightful and talented mama of three kids, and today we're going to just be getting to know her a little bit and talking about the topic of the month. Originally, I had wanted to introduce Robin Chapman, who is the other new person on our Kindred Mom team, as both of them have been so instrumental in encouraging and helping behind the scenes as we move this vision forward to encourage moms. And I had some trouble with the audio that I recorded for that interview, so this will be a short show, just a half an hour, and we will hear from Robin on the next episode in two weeks. Thanks for being here, and let's jump in. Well, today is a sweet day because we get to introduce some of the team members that we added to the Kindred Mom team recently. And so I have Jenny Van Winkle with me and we are introducing today, Lindsay Cornette. Yeah. Welcome, Lindsay. Thanks, guys. I'm excited to be on the podcast with you. Some people don't know, but a couple months ago, we added you and one other team member to our core team to just help carry the tasks and the behind the scenes vision of Kindred Mom. And you have stepped into that role with such enthusiasm and encouragement for those of us who've been carrying the torch for a while. So we just are so grateful for your involvement and would love to take this opportunity to introduce you to our listeners. Well, um, my name is Lindsay. I am married to Evan. We've been married almost eight years and we've got three kiddos. Ian is four, Leo is two, and Ruthie is one. So we are solidly in that little kid phase and um, we live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We are both Florida natives, born and raised, but we moved up here to Michigan just a couple years ago and we um, do really love it up here in the the great white north. Um, It's been a big adjustment in so many ways, but we, we really love it up here. And I am a writer. I um, have my personal blog and write a lot there about faith and family and creativity and how all of those things intersect. And then I write an email newsletter called The Drafting Desk. My friend Rebecca and I do that together. And there we write a lot about um, perfectionism and freedom and kind of how we both have been recovering perfectionists for a long time and just kind of we think through in that space kind of how we can rethink some of the behaviors and beliefs that made us perfectionists and kind of how we can live more into grace and joy and the freedom that Jesus promises. So that's something that I am really passionate about. I just really love that story of how you started the drafting desk and why you write it. And when we talked about this the last time, I didn't realize how involved your study and look at perfectionism is and how it really affects more people 
people than you would think because some people self-identify as a perfectionist and some people don't. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that they don't struggle with those tendencies to measure themselves by certain values or trying to measure up to a standard or a ideal that maybe isn't attainable or isn't really what is the best use of our energy. I'd love for you to just unpack just a little bit about why you have loved this topic and what you've learned through the process of writing The Drafting Desk. You know, I think that as a society or as a culture, we define perfectionism kind of narrowly, right? We think of people who are always on time and keep really tidy kitchens and don't make mistakes and earn (laughs) straight A's. And that's kind of the limit of it. Um, And while those characteristics were I mean, I wanted them all to be true of me. I was a perfectionist type A sort of person to a T and to a fault. But I also learned over time that I think perfectionism really gets down to the deepest parts of our spirituality and our relationships. I think that all of us wrestle sometimes with perfectionism, whether it is people-pleasing or maybe a fear of failure, maybe it's an inability to let go of mistakes. It manifests itself in a lot of different ways, like you said. But I think every woman I talk to wrestles with this sense of not being enough in one area of her life or another. And that's what perfectionism is, right? It's this constant feeling like I should be doing better or I should have this figured out by now. Mm -hmm. And for me, that really became a serious problem. I was really struggling to find joy in my life and in my relationships with other people because I could not let go of my mistakes and of my impossible expectations. And as I began to talk about that with other people, I discovered that I I really wasn't alone in that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I reached out to Rebecca, my, uh, my friend who does the drafting desk with me, because um, from what I had known of her and what I have read of, read of her writing, I felt like she was a perfectionist too. And she'll tell mm-hmm. you, and I think we talked about this in our episode of the, of the podcast that we did with you, Emily, that she did not identify with that term herself. Um, But I think that there's value in having these conversations because I think that it's something a lot of us have struggled with, whether we recognize it or not. I feel like I understand what you're talking about with perfectionism. I would call myself a perfectionist as well. And a lot of times it feels very ingrained. And when something is so ingrained, it can be hard to recognize that that's a truth in your life. And, and that's really hard to, that's hard to begin to unravel and realize that it's a lot deeper than maybe you realize. So that's really hard work. So (laughs) I just love your exploration of it and how it really is about finding freedom in who you are and what you're called to and how you conduct yourself in relationships and that sort of thing. That desire for freedom is what I think is most compelling to me about when you talk about this and when I read about it on your newsletter. Yeah, that's where it really started for me. It didn't start with kind of a recognition that, oh no, I'm a perfectionist. It started for me because I was standing in church one Sunday and we were singing a song about freedom. And I was standing there and I just had this moment where I thought, I have no idea what that means. And Mm. I decided I was going to choose free as my word of the year that year. And Mm -hmm. so I started to think about like, well, why don't I feel free? And that's Mm -hmm. really where I landed on the perfectionism piece of it. That 
is the thing that was keeping me from feeling free um, and feeling joy and peace and all of those all of those good things, you know, that Jesus promises us. So yeah, one of the things we say at the drafting desk a lot is that the opposite of perfection is not imperfection, but it's freedom. Just Mm. the ability to let go of that constant pushing and striving and instead just to accept um, the fact that we're children of God, you know, and that we're loved and enough as we are. Yeah. Well, I love that. And we're just so glad to have you on our team. And some people may not know that you have written for us many times before we invited you on the team, which is one reason why we felt like we knew you before you were kind of in the mix of what we do behind the scenes. But I just love to hear about your experience so far being on the team and the way that you love investing in this community because your passion for it is obvious and we're just really grateful to have you. Oh my goodness. Yes. I love it. Um, you know, Emily, you and I were connected in a writing group around the time that you were starting Kindred Mom and I have just been excited about it from the get go because I think there is a need among moms for an opportunity to tell our stories to mm-hmm. share the the areas of motherhood that are both there can they can be both hard um, but mm-hmm. still joyful and special and important and um, I just love that you've created this space where women can share those stories honestly and vulnerably mm-hmm. and I have loved the the women I've gotten to interact with on the Facebook group and um, I just think there's a really special community here, a really special group of women who are passionate about motherhood. They recognize, you know, the importance of this job that we've been given. And I know what I feel and what I think other women feel too, is just this desire to be able to kind of bring our whole selves to the table, right? And to do this job Mm -hmm. really, really well. It's just really exciting. I love to write. I love social media and creativity and all the sorts of little bits and pieces that, you know, play a role in creating a community like this. And so it has been Mm -hmm. really fun to get to kind of peek behind the curtain and see how Mm -hmm. everything comes together. (laughs) And I've just really enjoyed getting to read. You get to see the circus behind the curtain? Is that what you mean? I mean, you should give yourself a little little more credit, I think. I think, um, you know, yeah, it's just, it's been really, really fun. I'm really enjoying it. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, we are starting a series for the month of May on cherishing childhood. So I'd love to turn our conversation that direction and just talk about even in the midst of the challenges of our everyday tasks and the things that are really unpleasant and unglamorous in our jobs as moms, what we are savoring and what are we holding close to our hearts about this time with our children. And Jenny, I'd love for you to lead off with just what you have been thinking about for these last year or two as you've had your daughter join the family after your two sons and tell us what are you cherishing about the childhood that you're witnessing in your own home? Well, it's it's a lot different having three than two. And part of that is just slowing down to appreciate where you know, everyone's ability is different. And we've come through with, you know, when my boys grew up and then they added the baby sister, it's like we went through the toddler stage and the baby stage and everything. And now we're kind of, we're back to that. And it's a good reminder to slow down and just sort of savor things at a kid level, like getting down and my daughter will notice a rock or something. And is always like pointing out like really obvious things that my sons probably did, but I never paid much attention because I guess, Mm. I mean, or maybe I did pay attention, but just forgot because they were 
twins and it's easy to kind of forget <laughs> when you're when you're in, it was a blur. When you're in <laughs> yeah and when you're in like a first-time parent a lot of times everything is a blur yeah and so I've been really grateful to have my daughter remind me of those of those stages and be able to say yes we can slow down it does go by so quickly and so that I really have a passion to not try to speed things up mm-hmm. and to savor each uh, stage as it comes, like not wishing that they could walk or not wishing that they could ride a bike or, you know, yeah. because I think it's easy for mothers to say, well, when our kids get to be this age or when this milestone is achieved, then things will be easier. Things will be better. And I'll be able to pay more attention. Yeah. And I just don't think that that's ever, the, <laughs> I don't think that's ever the case. Yeah. Well, so. since I have the oldest kids here, I will yeah. say it is not easier when they're older. There are some things about right. the physical tasks and the demands of dressing people and moving them and feeding them that is different, but there are new challenges. <laughs> so I would agree that it's right. not necessarily easier. And if we are trying to fast forward through the seasons that are right in front of us. So we really do miss some really beautiful things. And Lindsay, I'd love for you to talk about where you're at with your kids and just things that you're treasuring in your heart as you watch them. Yeah, you know, all of my kids are really close together. Kind of like I said at the beginning, especially Leo and Ruthie, my youngest, they're only 14 months apart. Mm -hmm. And I had this big aha moment just a few weeks ago when, you know, Ruthie turned 14 months old. And I looked at my husband and I said, oh my goodness, Right now, she is as old as Leah was when she was born. Mm -hmm. And it was just this crazy moment of realizing like, whoa, we really did have two babies and look how much Leo has changed and how Mm -hmm. much Ruthie has changed since she was born. And I, you know, I don't, I don't love the baby phase a whole lot. Mm -hmm. If I'm Mm -hmm. honest, there's a lot that I look forward to when my kids are older. You know, I'm a former elementary school teacher. So there's certain things about that age that I'm really excited about. So I have to be careful, not like you were saying, Jenny, to wish away these moments too. Just kind of cherishing the different seasons. I sometimes in motherhood, I think we there's so much repetition, yeah. right? We spend a lot of time doing the same sorts of things over and over again, changing diapers and making meals and wiping noses and even things like school drop off and pick mm-hmm. up, right? A lot of repetition and but I don't want the repetition to dull my senses, so to speak. Like I still want to be able to notice all the small little things that make my kids special in each season and how they're changing, you know, over time. So I really try just to like take a deep breath sometimes and notice the little things about them. But it's a challenge for me if I'm totally honest. No, I think it is a challenge partly because there is not really a set apart time to stop and reflect (laughs) at least in those earlier years like it's just on the go exhaustion no sleep and there's a lot of learning curve going on for moms a lot of the time and I know for me it took me until I was into my third baby arrival to really start 
scribbling down what I wanted to remember mm. about little things that I'm so grateful that I started doing that as rough and raw as it was. Some of that writing is for me the most special things I've ever written, even though it's not this beautiful polished essay that was read by thousands of people or anything. It's just details that when I go back and read what I wrote in journals and what I wrote on a blog that was private at that time that is now offline, that writing is so special to me because there are things that we forget and Mm -hmm. there are things about these tender years that are really meant to buoy our souls, I Mm -hmm. guess, when there's just a lot of hard things going on in the world. There's a lot of suffering and hardship. And when you have a three or four year old come to you with some bright expression of what they've discovered that day, it just really is a gift to see the joy and wonder in their faces. Yeah, no, that's, that's lovely to be able to reflect on those times. And also, you know, if you're the kind of person that's not you know, inclined to write something down, just really being present in your memories, I think is, is really Mm -hmm. important too. For me, when you're talking about writing things down and I'm like, Oh, I should write down more of these, more of these milestones. But I think that's part of why, like the whole idea of not being behind the camera and just watching and just taking life as it comes and just letting it be what it is and not feeling like, yeah. And not feeling like it's like this desperate scramble to try and save things. Because if it were up to me to try and like save it all, I would be like a crazy person. And I don't think I would be very present, you know? So I I think there's a healthy mix of, of trying to pick the things. Like I started doing that, but what I'm, what I'm mostly gathering is like kind of one-liners that make me laugh about, what my kids are saying. And I have like a ongoing document on my notes function on my phone. And I just kind of keep track of this, of the silly things that my kids say. And it's really fun to go back and re replay those things. So I'm going to keep doing that. And if nothing else, then that's, that's the documenting that I'm going to keep doing. So yeah, one of the things that I started doing a while back is I actually in a physical notebook that I carry around with me, I just write five things before I go to bed. And a lot of times those five things are, I mean, they're just one line or maybe a paragraph if I want to write that much of something that happened that day, something I noticed or something that one of my kids said or did or something I learned from them. And (laughs) when I go back to those lists First of all, it's just a nice way to wind down my evening and just put all my thoughts somewhere from what I'm treasuring from the day or worrying about, as the case may be. And it doesn't have to be like write out a whole novel to remember every last detail, but just little notes, I think, can help to keep our memories alive when they fade into the background just from busyness. We have just a few more minutes, and I really wanted to talk about something that we've discussed, Jenny at length about our own families. And that's just learning how to say yes to our kids, that there is some element of childhood that is about just minimizing the struggle by containing the mess and like keeping things in their proper places. But there's something about saying yes to our kids that yes, you can paint or yes, you can, you know, get muddy in the backyard or whatever it is that we need to say yes to in order for that wonder and curiosity to continue just thriving. I'd love for you guys to talk about if you say yes to your kids and if you do, if you have any tips about ways to do that, that won't make you crazy. Right. Well, first I I wanted to kind of circle back to what Lindsay was talking about earlier about perfectionism and how for me, that's what keeps me from 
saying yes to my kids because I don't want the order that I have worked so hard to maintain in my household to be disrupted because that's how I keep my sanity. And, and so I am learning and it's a hard thing to learn how to say yes, because I realize that attended house, a clean house, all that kind of stuff, order in my life is important to me, but it pales in comparison to watching the wonder on my children's eyes when they, Mm -hmm. when they watch something for the first time that they've never seen. And it might be something as simple as a splash that a rock makes when it, Mm -hmm. when it lands from a high, (laughs) from a high, from a height. And it's something that I would take for granted because I've seen rocks splash so many times, but they are at that stage where it's still a wonder to them and they are, and they're, noticing things that I take for granted. And so I was listening to a speech from Neil deGrasse Tyson about saying yes to the mess kind of a thing. And how many times parents say, no, 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 don't do that when their kids are opening up the refrigerator. And he used the example of pulling the eggs out of the refrigerator. And we're like, no, 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 don't do that. Cause we can see, and we can visualize the mess that's about to happen. You know, that all of our eggs are going to splatter all over the floor. And he was saying, it's a great opportunity for them to learn so many different physics lessons, so many different biology lessons. And to realize that it's not a big deal to like, make a mess because you can clean it up and you can teach them that they can have that, that freedom to make those discoveries on their own and how to trust themselves and not always hear no, no, no from their parents. Yeah. One thing that's really helpful for me is I have to learn to shift my perspective and try to take my focus a little bit off of just this current moment or right off of today and what's most convenient or efficient or expedient in the moment and kind of think more big picture. Like what kind of adults do I want them to be? What are the habits and the values that I'm trying to instill in the Mm -hmm. long run? Because you know, I might be, they might be making a mess in the moment or, and I could do the chore much faster than they could or whatever the case may be. But in the long run, I need them to learn that independence and I need them to learn to take risks and be curious. And so sometimes I have to ask myself, like, why am I saying no in this moment? Is it because they're in danger? Is it because they're causing like real damage to something in our home? Or is it just because I'm a little bit annoyed or I'm a little bit impatient, you know, and just try to remind myself that like, there's a bigger picture here and there's a a long-term goal that we're shooting for more so than Jenny, like you said, just my house being clean at the end of the day or whatever the case may be. Yeah. There's no reason why we can't say no if it's a prudent choice at that time. Absolutely. For sure. Like if we have to leave in five minutes, then we're not getting the watercolors out. It's just kind of a given. But I do think that there are times when if we just would pause and think about how can we say yes, that yes doesn't mean you have full freedom to do whatever you want. It means you, yes, you can do this one thing. So if it is watercolors, I say we have time for you to paint one picture and I can sit there for five minutes overseeing or painting alongside and it doesn't have to be the catastrophic disaster that we imagine it's going to be. But that just requires some attentiveness and there are lots of things that could definitely be a no thank you. I'm not, I'm not going to do 
all hands into the rice bowl, you know, box when they <laughs> all hands. Like I have one of, I just have to tell a story for a second. My two-year-old has discovered our giant bucket of flour, which is probably 25 pounds worth of flour. Oh and he can get the lid off of it now. And one of the times that I went into the oh, kitchen, no. I found him with his hands in there and he's like feeling it down the front of his shirt because <laughs> dropping it in the top and just like, because he likes how it feels down his belly. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is kind of the mess that I'm not wanting right now. But it was a funny memory even. And um, so now I just have to keep the flower put away. But yeah, I just think mess is not, it's not a terrible thing. It's not always something that we can do every time, but it wouldn't be a big deal for me to give him a little bowl and a spoon and some flour and give him some parameters in a way that he can explore that without it being my entire bin of flowers. So, exactly. Um, yeah. And I think we all kind of have um, different preferences, right? Yeah. You know, like one of the things I was thinking about is that our neighbors, um, who are our very good friends, they let their kids stand on the couch and stand on chairs and things like that because yeah. it doesn't bother them. But that drives me personally a little bit crazy in my house. <laughs> yeah. And so that's one of our rules. And like, you know, I don't let my kids take food into the living room, but I also don't make them put away toys before they take out the next thing. Yeah. You know, like I think we all kind of have our comfort zone, right? right or exactly. the things that we're, that we're more willing to be flexible on than that might not work the same for another mom. And I think there's lots of kind of freedom and wiggle room within that. Yeah. And Lindsay, I love you said something a while back about if there's something that just really stresses you out inside your house, as far as it relates to a mess, to just make it an outside activity, like Play-Doh being an outside activity. Yes, I had never heard that idea before, but I'm like, that's so smart. Yes, I learned that from my friend, Daisha, um, mm-hmm. that Play-Doh is an outside toy. And now I don't mind when my kids want to do Play-Doh. It used to yeah. drive me crazy, <laughs> but now it doesn't because we just took it outside and I don't have to clean it up out of the floor. You know? Yeah, so. to me, that's a of an experienced mom is you make it work for you and that's just an awesome solution to a very common problem so well, yeah. I just thank you both for your thoughts and just an opportunity for us to hear from you Lindsay you'll be on the podcast more in the coming months but I just wanted people to have a chance to get to know you a little bit and yeah. if anybody is submitting essays Lindsay is helping with some of the editorial things behind the scenes so you might hear from her that way or see her on social media and we just hope people will just get to know you a little bit and say hello. Yes, I hope so. I'm always around and I'm pretty much an open book. So I am here to, um, to chat with anyone. I'm excited to be part of the team. 